Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Today, we're talking with Molly Bloom about how to recreate your sense of purpose after a major life change. I met Molly at a conference where she spoke about a lot of her highs and lows over her life and what she's really learned from those. And if you recognize her name, yes, she is the Molly Bloom whose life was portrayed in the movie Molly's Game, which was nominated for an Oscar. Molly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you, you taking the time and we'll direct people to the, the, the movie, to the book that you wrote, but uh, let's just give them a summary. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe more along kind of what brought you to there. But more importantly, we'll talk about all the projects you're working on lately. Sure. So I uh, grew up in a small town in Colorado. My brothers and I loved mobile skiing more than anything. And we had these Olympic dreams and we started competing locally and doing well in skiing. And then I had this kind of life-changing spinal surgery. And I was told that my ski career was over. And I guess it was the first time in my life that I realized that you could actually uh, not completely listen to your parents and to authority and to the medical community. And so I got back on the mountain and I ended up making the US ski team and making it all the way to the Olympic qualifiers. And I think that experience just really affected me in a profound way in that we have a lot more agency in the world than I originally would have believed. And that with the cultivation of the sort of deep, unshakable belief in yourself combined with the willingness to get uncomfortable and do what my father has coined it as constructive suffering, which is essentially discipline and working hard and working through those times where it feels like you're getting nowhere but staying in the work, that we can have pretty dramatic aspects on the outcome of our life. And so I went on to do a, a few different things. I started and ran the biggest poker games in the world in LA and New York. Some of the clientele were some of the most powerful people in the world. And so I got this really incredible education. I took it too far and I ended up violating uh, one of the federal statutes. Got a lot of trouble, got arrested by the FBI, all my assets seized, found myself at a real rock bottom moment, 35 years old, millions of dollars in debt, a convicted felon, and decided that the only way out was to write my way out into a new future. <laughs> so I published a book and then I literally hunted down the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood, Aaron Sorkin, to see if he would be interested in writing the movie. And somehow, luckily, he was. And um, he you know, got nominated for Oscars, BAFTAs, Golden Globes, and it gave me this opportunity to have a speaking career, to have a writing career, and to have a platform to impart messaging that I care deeply about and that I think helps a lot of people to hear. Yeah, I think what a lot of people can relate to are the highs and lows, are the ups sure. and downs. And you mentioned that word agency. I was trying to find a way to describe agency without using the word agency when I'm thinking mm -hmm. through this, because it's not like a lot of people Google the word agency, but just tell me a little bit more about that and why it's so important to, I guess, understand that concept or even just take control of that concept. 
I think there are kind of two ways to be in the world. I think there is the way of just reacting to what comes at you and trying to ride it out and feeling a sense of powerlessness and like the world and its parts are dictating the outcomes of your life and that you don't have a lot of power or control. And then I think the second way is to start to cultivate some of these skills and practices and perspectives and learn how to take control of your life, your destiny, your outcome. And I'm not a woo-woo person. My feet are on the ground and I am based in reality. So I know that there are many things we cannot control. But what I do know is that we can control our response to them. And that in that is wherein I think agency and power lie. Yeah. And I think just even you're talking a lot about your personal choices, kind of your, how you approach life. Uh, we're retirement focused financial planners. And a lot of times people walk in our office wanting to control the wrong thing. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, man, what are we going to do about the stock market? What are we going to do about the election? <laughs> and they have no control over those things. And so our right. conter- encouragement over and over again is control what you can control, uh, mm-hmm. diversify what you can't or protect what you can't, you know, or ensure yeah. what you can't if you want to get into the the finances. But really it's almost, uh, that, that's a way to look at it. Control what you can control. Even just learning what you can control is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, and I, to, for me, the most important place to start and the most, uh, I would say efficacious place to start is the mind because when things happen like a stock market crash or like you inadvertently or advertently destroy your life, the mind slants real quickly to the negative and the doom and gloom and the fear. And if you can start to learn how to manage those states and have more agency over switching to optimism, quieting the noise, getting through the fear, strategic thinking and action plan, then I think you start to be in a position where you have defense against these things that we cannot control, these forces, these outside forces. Yeah, and you're giving me encouragement that uh, you're saying that you can cultivate these skills, that it's uh, cultivate the perspectives. I've got a uh, middle schooler right now, and she was telling me (laughs) just yesterday that there was a problem created when somebody else told on somebody else. And I said, no, the problem was created when the first person did the thing they shouldn't have done. <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem is not outside of yourself. The problem is being the one that took the action or decided mm-hmm. not to take the action, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep learning and trying to cultivate these skills to pass those on. So that's a, appreciate sharing some <laughs> of those right there. Well, something that I'm going to take a little turn a bit in a way in that uh, you gave a good amount of business advice in a talk where... Uh, I met met you at a few months mm-hmm. ago. And really a lot of that business advice started with your mom. And mm-hmm. uh, you relate a story where you had participated or were a part of helping run a poker game in LA. There's actors in LA, there's famous actors in LA. And you called her up and said, oh my goodness, these famous actors were in the same room as me last night. And just, you were kind of giving a, an idea of, this is amazing. What am I going to get out of it? And she stopped you mm-hmm. right there and said, okay, it's not about what you're going to gain from having this connection or being in that powerful room. You've got to try to give to others. Uh, you've got mm-hmm. to answer questions for them that you weren't asked to solve. You gave a lot of kind of 
good life advice, business advice, uh, mm-hmm. just from that interaction right there with your mom. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I went home after being in that room and I really wanted to stay in that room. I wanted to be invited back. I was exhilarated by the opportunity to be around these people. And, you know, there were profound business people. And I was truly more interested in sort of like the CEOs and the heads of state than I was in the celebrities. Although it was really, you know, I was in my early 20s. So of course, seeing Leonardo DiCaprio was kind of a cool thing. But <laughs> but I just felt like I could learn so much more from some of the other people. And so I said, Mom, like, I, I went over this list of all the things I could potentially gain. And how am I going to do that? And she said, you need to look at what you can give and how you can become authentically incentivized by, by providing them with a great experience and and helping them to feel taken care of and seen, heard, and remembered. And, you know, that was that shift right there uh, changed my life because so often you're confronted with an opportunity or you have a job or you have a relationship and the mind just naturally goes to, what can I gain here? You know, or how can I stay or how can I maximize the most here? And I think that those are fine drives and impulses, but I think it's just a part of the picture. And I think that really figuring out how to create a win-win is the is the way. And so for me, I had to sort of refocus on, okay, my idea of success right now is to lift this room up, to help people feel happy and optimistic, to solve problems that I have not been asked to solve, to make people feel nurtured and taken care of. And that was just, I mean, that changed everything. It really did. And it didn't matter that these people had a full staff of humans that <laughs> that were, you know, sort of designated for that. It doesn't matter because those people are paid to do that. And there are so many people around who are looking to gain something from these people and looking at them as a as a come up and as a as a transaction. And so to take a step back and to just like, God, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make this about humanity. And how can I, you know, bring an ad here? It makes you a very novel person in the room. Yeah, and I think just to summarize one key piece of that is what you said, where people want to be seen, heard, and remembered. That's valuable advice of how to approach interactions, whether you're talking to your friend, you're talking to your family, you're mm-hmm. talking to people in business, just that seen, heard, remembered. And if we mm-hmm. think about it, really, you're, you know, we all want to, we want ourselves feel that. And so anytime mm-hmm. that you can offer that to others, being others focused, is, yeah. is such a huge help. Uh, we'll talk about kind of purpose and identities and roles in just a little bit, but I think that is where sometimes people have an issue with retirement is that they're almost forgotten or mm-hmm. perhaps uh, they're no longer seen in a certain mm-hmm. uh, certain light. And you've had a lot of different roles, kind of identities, if you wanna say that, in your life. You've mentioned already, com- competitive skier, business mm-hmm. owner, convicted felon, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? uh, author, <laughs> yeah, professional yeah. speaker, or you've had mm-hmm. all these different roles. And it seems like some of them maybe for you were, were forced on you. And yet some of them, you, you kind of took that agency, took that control. So what advice would you give? How can somebody maybe recover or regain 
their identity when something was really kind of forced upon them? Well, the first thing that I would recommend to everyone, regardless of what position they're in in their life, whether they're in the in a high point or low point, is to start a meditation practice. And the reason for that is there's real hard science behind a regular meditation practice that shows, and if you're interested in looking into this further, Sarah Lazar at Harvard does great work on this. It shows that a meditation practice reduces the gray matter in the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, and increases gray matter in the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for creative thinking and executive functioning. And in my experience, what happens when you sit to meditate and you sort of force yourself to observe everything that's going on in the mind, but you take your focus and you place it back on the present moment or back on the breath over and over and over, what you're doing is you're training yourself to be in control of what you focus on. And what you focus on is what becomes of your life. And so there's real science behind it. The mind is the center of it all. And to be able to start to, you know, I don't want to use the word master because I'm never going to master my mind. (laughs) I would require, you know, sort of me becoming a monk and living somewhere and eating just rice. And that's not in the cards, but not sure they would do that either. (laughs) Yeah. But getting to a place where you have much more control over your focus, over your mind, you're able to bypass some of the things that are not aligned with productivity or not aligned with optimism. The training of the mind is, in my experience, in sports, in business, uh, reinventing yourself in relationships, it is the most critical piece. And because there's hard science behind it and real results, uh, that's where I would start. Yeah, I'm going to link to that. I found uh, Sarah Lazar in her Lazar lab, so we'll link to mm-hmm. that as well too. We've mm-hmm. got a good number of of listeners who come to us from a Christian background. And I hear sometimes where they have a perception that perhaps meditation is is not quite aligning with their faith. And I think the perception comes on where they feel like meditation is an emptying of the mind. It's almost like if you take the time and just empty your mind, maybe you know, evil thoughts will come in or, or different things like that. But you're you're actually saying that meditation is filling your mind and filling it with what you want to fill your mind with, like aligning your mind with your values. Did I accurately uh, summarize that? Yeah, I don't don't think it's an emptying of the mind. I think it's the ability to choose the higher thought. And that, you know, this can help so much. It helps me so much live a spiritual life and practice spiritual principles because, you know, we're all human and we have some of those drives for, you know, impulses to do something that's not in accordance with integrity, that's not in accordance with our spiritual life. And, you know, in my experience, it enriches my spiritual life. It enables me to practice spiritual principles much more effectively. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned earlier about celebrities, politicians. I just want to finish up with just one thought on there of a lot of times you see celebrities, you see rich people, politicians, whatever it is on the news, and you have this almost perception of what they're like, and you've been in the rooms. How would you say that a celebrity or just somebody famous, we'll go with just the word famous, how would you say they're they're 
different and how would you say they're the same as you know, regular folks? Oh man, I, you know, I really think people are people. I think that celebrities probably have their guard up a little bit more because someone always wants something from them. Sometimes they feel that they don't have to play by the rules that the rest of the world plays by, which has been enabled by society. But for the most part, I really think people are people. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that because a lot of us don't think that's the case. Well, if, if only I was like that person, things would be different. Or how mm -hmm. easy do they have it because of these reasons? And it's not necessarily the, the case. It's maybe more amplified in different areas. Uh, I always think of the term extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. become famous or rich or celebrities, whatever it is, because they're extra on top of ordinary. So whatever kind of a situation got them to where they have an extraordinary amount of wealth or, or fame, there's a lot of extra going on with that <laughs> that might not mm -hmm. necessarily be good. And you might be um, resenting what you signed up for if you got to that point. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Well, you mentioned right before we started recording about how your best friend is putting a retirement bill through Congress that will hopefully help the retirement picture. This is completely way off track, I think, but, it's, <laughs> but it was just so interesting. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, they're trying to pass a bill in Congress. It's modeled after superannuation in uh, Australia. And Prime Minister Keating took a look at what was happening in Australia with this ever-increasing uh, income gap and savings gap and, you know, looking at what's happening to so many people and they're retiring without without any wealth. And so he introduced superannuation, which is basically 3% of people's wages get invested into public markets. And under a certain income level, the government matches uh, that 3%. And so what they found is before superannuation, the bottom 50% owned 7% of the nation's wealth. And 22 years later, after superannuation, the bottom 50% owned 23%. And the average wealth savings went from 100,000 to 500,000. And there's a program that exists for federal employees that's very close to superannuation, and it's created something like 100,000 millionaires. So that's what the bill is that's what they're trying to pass in and i'm helping out on this because i think it's so important and i really look at it as a way to restore hope yeah we talk about retirement planning and you should do this with your money you should do this with your pension that assumes you have money and you have a pension right right and a lot of times that's just not the case it probably for the bottom 50 percent of wealth in any country especially uh, you know, U.S. where we're talking to most people here listening in the U.S., uh, they don't get the opportunity to make those choices. And yet there's so many right, left bickering of how do you fix that. I think just the idea of going towards what's worked other places is a good place to start. Mm -hmm. So how would yeah. somebody learn more information about that or, or maybe see how they could you know, lend their voice to it? Yeah, if they're interested, have them reach out to you and then you can connect them with me. I will do that. Absolutely. Okay. Good. And of course, anyone that's uh, interested in that, reach out to us. It's podcast at KyleFP, K-E-I-L-F-P.com. Good. 
Well, Molly, we've got uh, one more question for you before that. Tell us what's the best way for people to learn about the work you're doing right now. Sure. Um, I'm on social media, both Twitter and Instagram at I'm Molly Bloom. And anytime I'm working on something or coming out with a new book or podcast or anything, it'll be on there. Yeah, we'll uh, get all the links there. Speaking of your book, I loved your book. Obviously, Thank you. you can't have a good adapted screenplay nom- nomination <laughs> unless it's adapted from something that's good to begin with. And Thank with you. that, we love giving away books. We love education on our podcast. So the first three people that email us, podcast at kylefp.com, we will send you a copy of, of Molly's book. And you can get the uh, the real story, the full story, before you get to the movie. Although I tell you, the movie and the book are so incredibly similar. There's not a big change, right? There's not, sometimes yeah. you hear that with movies. Right, right, right. Yeah. I guess Aaron thought there was enough enough drama <laughs> you go. in the real story. Awesome. Well, Molly, uh, a final question for you. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is rated clean. Okay. There's this big misconception that I am an excellent poker player and I am not. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, if you're running the game, you don't have enough time to actually learn the game no. of poker. You're no. You're learning the game of how do you help poker players enjoy what they're doing. And how do you extend the right amount of credit and collect the money? <laughs> yes, there's a business lessons there. I suppose between yes. uh, you and Annie Duke, you can make a great team. She could take care totally. of the poker. She's and you can great. Take care of the, yeah. Well, yeah. that's awesome. Well, Maya, thanks so much for coming on the show. You've definitely shared sure. a lot with us that's, I'd say new even to our listeners around agency, taking control of what you can control, uh, even just explain how you use your meditation practice to align your mind with the the values and the things you want to do in your life. So thank you for coming on the show, Molly. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You got it. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning.